Well, I promised to do X-Men Origins this episode for James and Frank. not the first time you've let the listeners down. No. <laughs> I've disappointed a lot of people in my life. No one more than my family. Let's not stop. <laughs> yeah. I have to keep this trend going. What everyone tunes in for. Yeah. Can you feel the disappointment my parents feel <laughs> through the microphone? <laughs> Find out next week. So you've been content creating for quite some time, pretty much your whole life. Yes. You're a content creator, some would say. Big famous YouTuber. You've got a Twitter. Oh, well, I don't know. Anyway. We didn't even talk about this. Okay. but This the, wasn't on the list of papers. No, though. but I want to know, like, yeah. you've got these famous software developers out there on Twitter. Yeah. Coming up with all these articles and medium articles and, you know, their own blogs. Yeah. Sharing all this information, this knowledge. Trash information. There's a lot of trash. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a lot of trash. Uh, JWTs are insecure. Oh, why do they make default. it so clickbaity? I know. Frustrating. There just needs to be more nuance. I know that's a, a dumb thing to say because obviously you need traffic, but. Yeah. It, it's a soft, it's going to be around on the internet for a hundred years. So you might as well make it a little bit more reasoned. <laughs> are they getting that much in advertising? <laughs> I don't know. I got, look. Do other industries have this? Like um, if you're in sale, oh, of course you do, actually. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized, look, actually, uh, maybe we have it good. I'm actually guilty of clicking those articles where it's like, view versus react, which one's better? I've clicked yeah. that at least a hundred times. You know, but I, like, I still don't care. But I'd like to read, I don't know, it's like a- Those, those are always so fucking shallow. <laughs> it's like the guy who's never used either react or view, or he's used one or the other one or in the other. one side or project. Or they, they like, they just build a hello world on both. And yeah, like saying, and it's like, well, yeah. as you can see, the React one is much smaller. So therefore, it's much superior. Actually, we need to get Jake on, our ex-bootcamp uh, cohort He's member. an actual view guy. He's actually done view for like, he done view for like two years. One of my favorite people. So yeah. he would have a great perspective. But anyway. He's actually, very attractive as well. He's a Twitter person. Yeah, he's got nice hair. Jake, hi, how are you? Hey, he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he listens to this one. But what I, what I want to know is, how do you get as famous as, as Dan Abramov on the Twitter? I, and you've been reading some of his articles. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, I, uh, I hang around on the, the outlets for the, the articles. Mm. I look up some problems and eventually I'm led back to a Dan Abr- Abramov article. Mm. He made one that was controversial a few months ago. Which one? Did you read it? No. It's, uh, I think it's called Goodbye Clean Code. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you were telling me about that. I didn't read it, but... He, what, was the, what was the gist? He posits that uh, the whole clean code thing might just be like a scam. Well, maybe it is. What's his name? Uncle Ben? Uh, Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I've How had a few you drinks. You don't remember that. I've had a few drinks. He's one of your heroes. I actually really don't have memory uh, at all of names. I know who he is. He's the white guy, the white-haired guy. Bob R. R. Martin, is it? Yeah, Bob Martin. Yeah, Bob of course. Uh, yeah, I love... I've. Read everything that he's written. Clean architecture, uh, clean code, all of that stuff. Yep. Not even targeted at me. Like his, the first version I read, I think he updated clean code so that it's not about Java. It's about JavaScript. How old is that book? Ancient. Yeah. Yeah. So like first, princi- years. first principles still live on. Look, the only things that matter are the things before the advent of code, like clickbait. But not in Dan's world. Dan said it's over. Yeah. <laughs> He's However, drawing a line in the sand. Let me just roll this back one second. How's that course going that you bought? I Speaking <laughs> of clickbait, 
I know you bought a React course for like some amount of hundreds of dollars. So what happened? Speaking of clickbait. So what happened was I, I follow Kent C. Dodds and he was, re, he was releasing a, a big course, Epic React. Yeah. And I was on the mailing list for ages because I thought, you know, I don't want to miss out when this thing launches. Anyway, when it did launch, the price was 300 Australian dollars maybe. Yeah. 350 something was, like yeah. that. And then I thought to myself, oh, that's a bit expensive. Who would ever pay that much? I won't pay three fifty for a course. I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. Anyway, I kept I was still on the mailing list. And then about a month later it's like, oh now it's worth six hundred. I'm like, oh, maybe I should buy it. It's yeah. not like supplies are diminishing <laughs> of this course, by the way. This is a digital course. <laughs> anyway, didn't buy it. Anyway, it got up to nine hundred dollars in the final stages and I'm like, oh, Man, I'm now's really the time buy. to buy. <laughs> I'm really going to buy it Let's now. buy Bitcoin at peak. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy at the dip. I bought it at the, yeah, at the highest at point. at the peak. Anyway, I didn't buy it. But um, what it did do was it, it trained me to, to buy, to buy the, possible. To buy ASAP on yeah. the next course that was released by a, a CSS guy called Josh Com, Comiel, I believe his name is pronounced, or Como. Como? I'm not, I don't Kama, know. Kama, Kama, Kama. I'm not sure how to pronounce Chameleon. it, but uh, it, it's, a, it's called... CSS for JS devs. And uh, so, yeah, he released the early bird pricing and I'm, I, I bought it like straight away. I'm like, I'm not missing out again. No. Haven't opened the course. I bought it about two months ago. That's the, <laughs> that's clickbait uh, media like distilled. One thing like. And also value-based pricing. I don't know. It's a great <laughs> idea. Like they've got it nailed. Like, Well, the thing is he wrote a couple of articles which helped me. Yeah. And like what? Tell me. I can't remember now. Like it just so he actually wrote a useful article. He did. He's when got was the last time ones. you read an article that was actually useful? When I, read, so I read that one, yeah. Yeah. And then he done a couple of other things. And his website is really, really cool in terms of what he's done with CSS. Yep. So I was like, you know what? This guy's probably, course is probably decent. It he's looked the like CSS he put, daddy. It looked yeah. like he put effort into it. And yep. it said it was CSS for JS devs. Yeah. So that kind of piqued But you're my a interest. TS dev. So yeah. I'm not sure why, ask for a refund. why are you interested? <laughs> it's very strange. So yeah, I thought better get in now. So I will, when I get a bit more time. I, I don't believe you. All right, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> You've been tricked. But, but uh, yeah, well. I, like, have you actually been reading articles? So the thing that I've noticed over time, yeah. we've discussed previously, mm. like uh, I feel like articles, have articles gotten worse or am I more jaded? Like in software. Because I used I to read all articles all the time. Yeah, I, like every yeah. bus ride I got on, yeah. maybe I catch le- fewer buses. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to get on the bus and I'd immediately start reading some article about like algorithms or monads or something. JWTs are insecure. Yeah. Yeah. But now almost none of my content consumption is from articles. Maybe you of- need to start producing content instead of consuming content. Mm, no (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're doing here oh right sorry i forgot yeah no i'm totally a valuable resource (laughs) yeah but if you maybe if you take the time to start condensing your thoughts into words maybe that'll be more valuable valuable for you instead of consuming other people's articles Mm. i suppose yeah what's been interesting articles that i've read recently it's just the the dan abramov one about react actually Ah, interestingly was is one of the reasons why I fixed that bug. So hold on, we didn't yeah. we didn't get to the bottom of why Dan says clean code's finished. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, 
So you've read two Dan articles lately. Oh, my God. So the thing is... Hold on, you don't even like... Hating on clean code is like such a front-end developer thing to do. (laughs) Such a CSS (laughs) junkie thing. (laughs) Let me tell you. The... um, it, it's 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 more all of the articles tend to follow this pattern. All right, I got into this code base. I saw something that was not abstracted. I abstracted it for someone else, and then it was wrong, and I got in trouble. Yeah, I've I can't even enumerate the amount of times that I've seen this yeah. in terms of the like goodbye clean code style writing. Yeah. Dan Abramov is not the first in this uh, line of ignore clean code. So explain it to me. Yeah. What's the essence of clean code? What is the... Because I haven't read the book. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about, uh, you know, the solid, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Single rep- responsibility, yep. you know, all that stuff. Okay. And uh, not duplicating yourself. Don't repeat yourself. Yep. Dry. Yep. All that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Make it legible. Make it good for the person who comes after you. You got to follow the Boy Scout rule. Right. With code. Yep. Leave it better than you found it. Mm. And if you wrote it... Uh, yeah, make it better than not not good. Previous self. Yeah. 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 Learn something while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> Very wholesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, these the, the articles seem to follow the same pattern, but they there's no nuance in a lot of these articles where they just say abstraction is bad, essentially. Mm. But almost everything in uh, computers in computer science, in languages, everything. Everything is based on abstraction. Yeah, of course. It's just finding the right abstractions. Just because one time you had a bad abstraction does not mean that you should, like, tell off every beginner. Never try and abstract something someone else wrote. Yeah. That's probably, the like, one of the things I used to struggle with was taking something as gospel when you read it. Yeah. I remember that. Because yeah. now, now... I used to like, think pe- everyone was better than me. Like, yeah. I had a massive inferiority complex. Yeah. So I'd look at code, and I'd think I'd never be able to do anything better. So I'd write really shitty code, because yeah. I'd be like, I don't want to change the perfect code. Yeah. I'd rather write something around the edges. Yeah, so I don't have to, like, too. you know, break this glorious code that this senior developer wrote. And now, now you just go in with distaste in your mouth before you even <laughs> <Yeah>. start. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the delete key, like... <laughs> Of the keys that this I can press fastest, totally RM enter deletes the file. So <laughs> let me just fix that for you. <laughs> yeah. I'll just fix that interface that you that you <laughs> fucked up the first time. That's fine. That's okay. But that's not bad. Like I would expect anyone to do that to my code as well. Go in, you know, no prisoners. Code is made to be deleted. What happens if someone changes your code and it's a, a new implementation you don't agree with, but? Well, I'd sort of have to see the context. Like, what does that mean? You would probably challenge them to say, okay, uh, explain to me why you changed it. Yeah, Mm. for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's sort of up to them. If they, if they, okay, so one thing I don't like is making something simpler because it's less lines Mm. instead of uh, making it simpler in terms of, there's a difference between complexity in terms of like number of lines, number of files versus being able to comprehend a single part. Yep. Like a lot of people struggle to understand that more files, a lot of the times is actually a lot easier to comprehend because yep. if, if it's well separated, because yep. you can actually separate different pieces of code into different units and understand them individually. Yep. And then you can actually keep those pieces inside of your head. It's a Sandy Metz thing. You don't want your classes to be more than, I think it's 80 lines or something. Yeah. 
if it's any more than that, then you've messed something up. Yep. TypeScript, obviously, it's more. Java, Java, it's more. So, yeah. What's she writing in? Sandy Metz. Uh, she's a Ruby uh, author. Oh, Ruby. She writes a lot of books. She writes uh, 99 Bottles of OOP. Oh, yeah. Some really good books, actually. If you're interested yeah. in learning more about object-oriented programming without no, all thanks. this, like, C-sharp. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, anyway, I've got, to learn, I've got to open my CSS <laughs> course first and then I'll maybe get to no, OOP. No, no, trash. OOP, much more important. <laughs> CSS is just like colors. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you, if you want to learn about the object-oriented um, programming sort of system, then uh, Sandy Metz is a great place to start because it's in Ruby, so it's super easy to comprehend what she's trying to communicate. Yep. Uh, and it's even easier to bring that sort of stuff into other... Uh, gotcha, arenas because gotcha. the, the principles translate elsewhere yeah keep things small single responsibility open close principle don't like make things that you don't have to ever change yep that sounds like it's in line with what clean code is trying to is it yeah it pretty much is yeah so why is dan against it i don't know front-end developers don't like clean code <laughs> they they much <laughs> prefer the hacks but uh i don't I don't, like I don't see many of these uh, people purporting this building very large systems, very large front-end applications. Well, he's built Redux. Surely he knows what's going on. Sure. Yeah, I believe that. Oh, he he also has said don't use Redux anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah he's backpedaled a little. It's fine. Maybe he'll come out. There's different couple, use cases. Maybe in a month, in a year's time, he'll be like, actually, no, clean code is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll go back on that. <laughs> Everything has a use case. Everything in software is a trade-off. Yeah. We use reducers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind the reducer when I used they, it. I, I think relative to what would have come out of it without the reducer, it's more useful than uh, without for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just because the pattern is simpler now doesn't mean that it's any less of a useful pattern, CQRS. So. What's that stand for? Uh, command and query resource separation. Ah, uh, okay. So like you receiving data is separated from you uh, issuing changes so you don't just mutate a state and then like listen for that mutation somewhere else yeah you actually emit an event and then there's a different system that manages returning you that data Ah, okay and like so it's both at a small level in terms of software architecture you could say uh i expect to send commands to something and then receive a different state or it could be at the infrastructure level like uh, we have a literal like ec2 instance running that manages like the queries and one that manages the commands. Mm. So a frequent use case, for example, for CQRSs in large organizations, um, where you would you you could have two different entities. So let's say we had posts, blog posts. Mm. We only we might only need two instances running for uh, commands: save post, update post, delete post. Mm. Right? Because it's relatively infrequent. However, if we've got a million readers, we need to scale that up. So you separate those two things, and you can scale up readers oh, independently yeah. of uh, commands. Gotcha. So Command and query resource separation. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. How's that rant? So, okay. <laughs> but then there was another Dan article you were telling me that you read. Yeah, and it, it actually it was a that one. Helpful. That one you liked. Well, it was more about fundamentals. What was that one? Uh, it was the. Uh, it was about understanding how React actually does its diffing. I think yeah. I, I can't remember the name of it, but. Uh, it's one of the I only always laugh ones every I've time you like him. get into these. You, you like go down React rabbit holes sometimes. Yeah, and then you'll like be like, "Oh, okay." Well, well, it's because I get frustrated because React is like a DSL, and it's not just like it's not very principled. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's 
<laughs> it does not follow the expectations of code in a lot of ways. Um, doesn't mean it's bad. I, I obviously use it all the time. <laughs> I probably would use it if I had to build an app from scratch again. Yeah. But uh, he was talking about the diffing algorithm. And we've had a bug in our app where, um, for example, inputs would shadow each other. That makes sense. So we would have two different uh, items. Um, there's like a case statement that swaps between these uh, tasks, essentially. And occasionally when you would change the between two of the same type of component, the input would be identical. Mm. So we've been using React hook form and we've always assumed uh, it's just a React bug. Mm. So we've like done these weird little hacks. We've got hacks all over the place, man, <laughs> to deal with React hook form, thinking React hook form was just sinning yeah. constantly. Uh, but it turns out it's actually fundamentally a React diffing issue. So I don't know if you know this, but the key, you know key in React oh, yeah. as a prop, that doesn't only have to be applied to arrays. Mm -hmm. So you can actually apply key to any, any item okay. anywhere. And if that value changes, it changes the identity of that and it oh, will re-render right. that function. Yep. So for example, if you have two resources that have one prop different, which is like the ID of a task, for example, and you're swapping between the two, you can change the key and react, even though the tree is the same, it will update them and assume that the tr like the actual values are different. It won't perform an on change event, for oh, example, yeah. for inputs. Yep. But it would have if you didn't add that key, which is the sort of bug we were having. So like you would swap between one task and it would say like the, the title would be changed. Mm -hmm. So we had this hack where you'd have to like reset the form state at the start ah, using a use effect. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. there's like an on mount hook for each component yeah. that like verifies. That's so. right. And we were like we were setting the we were setting the default value, I think, weren't we? When it mounts. Yeah, to either an empty string yeah. or nothing. Ah. But that was already handled somewhere else in the code. So I always thought right. that was very strange, mm. but I I I didn't dig much into it cuz like yeah, it sort of worked, so whatever. Yeah. Um but I did actually try and uh debug that and I figured out what the underlying issue is that uh, the tree looks the same to react so it renders it as the same component with one different prop mm. even though to us logically we know that's a different thing with a different ID and uh, it was actually triggering on change events for the same what what looks like it's the same input mm. so react actually goes down the entire tree and if in the same slot it sees the same type of element, it will attempt to see if it's the same as the one that was there before. Yep. And if it is, it'll just change the props yep. of the same identity. So. I'm probably a bit guilty of that because uh, I always leverage packages a lot yeah. more like in my code. So like when I want to build something, I don't always think, oh, can I build it myself? First thing I always do is like search for a package that yep. does it. So then when a package doesn't quite work properly... You assume it's the package. I assume like... I don't think there's something wrong with the package, but I'm just like, oh, it's not playing nice. And then you just work around. Yeah. Instead of understanding what's going on, yeah. you implement these hacks like we just spoke about. Not that React hook, hook form is like bug-free, because it definitely is not <laughs> bug-free. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't working the way... Because I was pretty sure that's the code I was writing. So I'm, I'm thinking back to it, it's your biggest project, really. Yeah, so I would have, like, got it working. Like you said, got it working one way or another and, like... And committed and pushed. And like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's working, it. that's fine. Yeah, fuck it. But, 
it's always nice to know how the underlying system is working. Yeah, and it actually, once I actually take another look at it, I think it'll be dramatically simpler because a lot of it has become working around this underlying issue of identity not being carried across between renders. Yeah. Like the identity is changed, but between renders, it's actually using the same underlying component, mm. which has been the source of a lot of bugs yeah. in that component, which I think we can get rid of now mm. once we revisit it, whenever that happens. Perfect. So, yeah. We've worked it out. I'll just do the CSS and you do the JavaScript and it's done. <laughs> <laughs> We've worked out the perfect system now. So I'm doing state management <laughs> and uh, Frank is doing uh, the colors. <laughs> 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 it's the only thing I can stand to do because at least it's a little consistent. I think, uh, you know, I, I didn't really care about CSS until I start using the platform. And then when I use it, I'm like, I can't handle it. I need to like yeah. fix these things. Well, and, then I, contacts. and then I just get, get better at CSS. Like. Frank mostly uses the platform in like sales. So he's yeah. doing demos of the platform because he's had to do less coding. <laughs> and then I so, like come across bugs mid-demo and I like hide them from... Just the like a CSS bug <laughs> or something, yeah. <laughs> got to make a, a reminder to fix The that. other day I was on a demo call. And she, like um, I actually got the customer to screen share and then... They were doing something and I'm like, oh, that's totally wrong. And I quickly like snapshotted it. I'm like, <laughs> I need to fix this later. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll ask you what it was later. <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't a big thing. No. They didn't even notice. Most bugs you wouldn't notice. No. Yeah, not only I notice them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> top secret. However, you know how we made our like noticeable bug count go to zero? Yeah. We changed the uh, error display from red to blue. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so every error... We used to display a red pop-up saying, oh, it looks like there was an issue. But now we just say info. <laughs> looks like that didn't work. It's much more <laughs> and no calming. one thinks there's errors. <laughs> no. It's actually a 100% uptime system. No 500s have ever occurred anymore. Nothing can break. It just shows you, like teaches you about psychology, but it like, really does. You put red and people just stress. Yeah. You put blue you, and people. Didn't, did you experience that before you changed yeah, it? Yeah, the red would pop up and even I would get stressed. Yeah. Like, and like, just because, oh my God, what is going on? But they are like relatively regular bugs, but because we were early, early, like even now we're not like fully handling every error in the UI, right? Yeah. We sort of just like say, all right, if there's an error, we'll put it on the queue. To be like registered yeah yeah but uh changing it from red to blue if anyone's building a product no angry error pop-ups make them nice and pretty <laughs> so make, you, put a smiley face in fact next to it <laughs> so you you remedied that bug from dan's post and that's pretty good thanks Dan. yeah well it's yeah mostly remedied but anyway we'll talk about that later but okay so this is one thing that i've been thinking about is like okay We've got all the articles. So many articles, too many. We've got courses, guilty of buying courses. Yeah. But one thing is a lot of the courses are focused at getting the junior or the the beginner developer, someone who hasn't even coded. Yeah, there's not very many that are... Up to a junior level. Yeah. Where's the courses? It, it really is. It, it's not even from junior to like a mid-level. It's no, almost like there's no nothing code from junior to... to mid- it's like never coded to junior. Yeah. Yeah. So where's, where is the pathway to get from mid to senior? Or junior to mid even. Or junior really. to mid. Like yeah. a good mid. There's where only, is that pathway? Like, yeah. Those, the, the sort of courses that can help you in terms of technology. Like there's different factors to that. Like what, 
Oh man, it's such a loaded question. What is junior? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, let's back, okay. Yeah. Should let's like decide is, on that what first. What does it mean? What is a senior developer? And yeah. what is a junior developer? And what's a senior, like a mid? Okay. It's something that so I think we've just accepted because yeah. we're used to it. Yeah. But what are your, I, I think it comes down to expectations. Like what do you expect from a junior developer and a senior developer? Mm. For me, I think it has less to do with technology getting from, okay, so from junior to mid, it's almost entirely tech, like technology. Yeah. Like, will you be able to deliver in a framework if I give it to you? But even uh, from junior to mid, I wouldn't expect a mid to understand all the fundamental principles to build great software. I think it depends on the scale of the company. Mm. But uh, yeah, because like if you're coming from a university background, you'd have more, uh, Frank is currently doing a, degree how far are you now oh, halfway halfway through yeah. still not so that good you're gonna you're gonna know all the principles anyway yeah. Yeah. so um oh but when i say principles it's yeah. like okay if i need to build an auth service do yeah. i know the fundamentals well that's just experience yeah yeah do you think a mid should know what an auth service entails if they've dealt with it i think that's like a, a it's a mid-level of experience right I feel like a mid... Depends on the company. If I'm going to Google, they probably won't treat me as a senior. I feel like a mid should be able to understand what a basic or service should encompass, implement a They definitely need to be version. able to integrate with it. Yes. And then, and then understand when they see like a perfect one, understand why their service is, has imperfections. Yeah. Have the ability to self-reflect on what is wrong with your own. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's I think that's mid. good. So I think junior to mid is genuinely like more of a technology thing from yeah. my experience. Like yeah. the people who move from junior to, and there's more tiers in the, between that. So for example, at a previous company, there was also associate mm. for some reason, scam, scam tier. In between junior and... Yeah. yeah. So people like to add like little levels in between ah, just yeah. as like a fun little <laughs> Well, it is a long game. time. Someone told me once, you're like, no, you can't be a mid until you've worked for two years. I'm like, that's annoying. Like, nah, fake news. Yeah. Yeah. It also depends on like I don't like you. general experience. Yeah, yeah, no. Like you, you work with someone and I think you know right off the bat. Yeah. I don't think it, it takes that much. Mm. <clears throat> but anyway, like going from junior to mid, definitely mostly a technological journey. Mm. Don't expect them to be handling features entirely on their own, that sort of thing. They'll work in a team really well. But mid to senior, what, what does that mean? What, what do you think? What's your experience with seniors? Uh, well, seniors should be able to architect the whole system and also dis yeah, okay. discuss yeah. why they have chosen certain – made certain decisions dependent yeah. upon on – Rationalise the decisions. Rationalise yeah. the decisions dependent on the underlying requirements and also debate someone who can challenge them on their – choices yeah why they why what they have done is better than the alternative yeah and then guide everyone through being able to break that all down into smaller steps to, mm. to let the team implement it yeah so i think the more interesting thing is that like going from mid to senior almost has nothing to do at most companies i'll just uh, for everyone listening Neither of us have like massive company experience. Like neither no. of us come from AWS. No. We're not those kind of developers. We work at startups, yep. 100, 200 company, uh, 200 people, companies, that sort of thing. I do tutorials mainly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
we've got a pretty small company we work for right now as well. But uh, in in these sort of environments, what is expected of those people is more maturity of thought, and, and that sort of thing, like understanding why you make decisions, mm. not just following trends necessarily, mm. but being able to rationalize why one thing is better than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how do you get from mid to senior? This comes back to it. Just chill. You just got to chill. You got to, you know, you got to relax. Don't take everything so seriously. Well, hold on. Yeah. Sorry, I've jumped the gun there. Yeah, go. More, more questions. Okay, so that's what makes a senior engineer. Yeah. But what makes a great senior engineer? Oh, that's What's a good What's the differentiator? Question. What am I not like? <laughs> <That's> well, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... Someone who you can talk to. Because you know how like there's those people who hang around for, they've been in the industry for 10 plus years and just having experience in the industry, you learn so much. Yeah. But then what other kind of traits do you need to be excellent? Well, I think, uh, you know, it it depends on where the excellence is coming out. For someone working with the senior, for me, like I already know exactly who I'm thinking of and I think you know who I'm thinking of when I like, there's one person who is the epitome of a senior developer uh, that I worked with previously um, who was more of a, yeah, Tony Day. That's the (laughs) shout out. (laughs) And uh, the, the, the things that really stood out to me was how relaxed he was about changes to schedules, about technology requirements, about pull requests, and his ability to rationalize ideas and uh, communicate to me why he did something. or And also, even in like a, a review sort of system, less about uh, like less ego, but more what is the actual value to the company in, in what you're working on, I think. Yep. Like it's even less of a technology role the more senior you get. Yeah. So it's more about being able to talk to juniors, being able to talk to product managers, being able to understand when they say, I want to click on this button and this happens, understand what that translates to in their system, mm. which is not something I think you necessarily expect of a mid. But uh, as I've said, these labels are all very, uh, every company treats them differently. Mm. At, at AWS, I'm definitely not a senior. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to handle their uh, their their environment more than likely. But that's not an environment where I would thrive. No, I think you could. Well, maybe. I haven't tried it. So Until you ripped out. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to delete. I know DynamoDB's built we, wrong. No, it's, no, it's totally wrong. We've got to put Postgres in here. No more CLI. <laughs> we're, we're deleting the CLI interface because it's not good enough. <laughs> GCP is the standard. If we can't beat that, I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> But uh, yeah. So it seems like uh, at the initial stage in, in the journey of becoming a 10x developer, you start out highly with a high focus on learning the technical skills. First learning For sure, yeah. fundamentals. And I then, mean, you would remember this, right? Like everything yeah. was about learning. What's a class? Yeah. What's an object? Everything's what, an object. What's a good loop? Like what's, <laughs> what's, a, a what's big O? What, what isn't? Sort of, yeah. yeah. But then it moves into more, okay, go up one level into an abstraction of, you know, what's an auth service look like? What's a good architecture look like? Yeah. And then 
going up one level more and to be able to debate different architectures, different ways and methodologies of working. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're a senior engineer at a startup, you're expected to be able to just be given a task, yeah. not even a... You, there's no one to break anything down for you frequently. Yeah. Most companies don't have an architect to, yeah. to handhold you when you're at a startup tier. Mm. Uh, so being able to just take something and materialize it mm. is one of the big values, yeah. but not just materialize it by yourself. Because a, a very junior developer can probably take your brief, yeah. uh, do a really quick React app and get something out. Mm. It's making something that works with the whole team as well and yeah. making sure that the systems work. Even like an understanding of why CI is important, I think is part of seniority. Yeah. Understanding practices, mm. that sort of stuff. Yeah. All right, so... Who's your... Who is the, who's the most senior engineer? Like, how, how do you describe the most senior engineer you know? Mm, I have to think about who, who I... The most senior... You know who mine is? Yeah. Mm. They would have been in a different team, though. At the companies that you worked at, one of the one of the guys I really liked working with, um, he was a senior engineer. He wasn't in a leadership role, but yeah. he was. He was very much a person who was given those kind of large tasks and yeah. would see them through from beginning to end. The difficult challenge, like the challenge things that were given as a piece of work that needed to be delivered, and. Um, I loved working with him. He would give, he would like uh, break down, break off little pieces of work that I could do, and hand them over to me safely. Safely, yeah. yeah. And um, he would let me do them, and then I would give them back to him, and I would ask him constant questions along the way. And he was, he was very good at uh, not giving me the answer straight away, but kind of teasing it out of you, yeah, so you could learn something. I don't think he done it intentionally, but I think it was just the way he thought about things he he wasn't able to just give me a direct answer like he wanted me to to work it out myself yeah well i'm just very disappointed that it's not me he was probably he was (laughs) (laughs) i was thought you meant like excluding you of course you yeah but um yeah he was he was really good um yeah, now working with you is good. So it's more of a, it, I, I genuinely think it's more of a maturity thing. Yeah. I don't think it has as much to do with technology because you can have a very technically skilled. And uh, I had a meeting with someone who we, we both did an internship together. Yeah. And uh, they, from their perspective, they thought technologically I could have been a, like a senior coming out of the, the boot camp that we did. Mm. But from my point of view, comparing myself to other seniors that I know, like it, it just it's more of a uh, a work maturity yeah. sort of thing. It has almost nothing to do with I know this framework and that framework. Yeah. It's about being able to like pull yourself out of the frameworks and understand it a whole even being able to understand maybe a little bit historically, like, you know, don't don't be fussed about all these frameworks. Yeah. It's gonna be okay. The the industry comes and goes. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. That's what I really appreciated about the my my uh, foundational sen- senior engineer, my mentor. So uh, all right, but he came from the small talk days, so he's seen every wave there's <laughs> possibly been. JavaScript's easy for him. Yeah. So just a little toy language yeah. that all the kids are using nowadays. Build one of those toy apps with JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. If there was anyone I'd want to work with again, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so. We joined the boot camp 
thing I loved about the boot camp, boot camp was it gave you a clear pathway, daily directed instructions on how to move from someone who knows nothing into a junior. Nothing to junior, yeah. Why is there nothing... Why can't we have the same kind of thing to move someone from junior to mid? Is it just that the, the, like the expanse of knowledge is just so wide that it's kind of impossible to do something like that? Or Surely, surely in like modern web development, a course could be put together to really move someone from a, a very beginner mid to a very high grade mid. You know, there's a there's a system. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Instead of doing a course, something. So we both did a boot camp together. One of the alternatives, instead of doing the boot camp, because I was very nervous about the interview, so I needed something to help me just get a job, essentially in the beginning. Um, there was another alternative where you could rent a mentor, essentially for oh. like two hours a week, and that was the. Outside of the the course that we both did, that was the strongest other offer because I think the thing that puts you from junior to mid is not only just like oh you've got like more than a couple of years of experience or whatever, yeah. but it's also you get stuck in tutorial hell mm. when you're first starting out in technology. And in my early teens, I can remember myself just doing like my horrific PHP MySQL websites. Yeah getting stuck, everything was a tutorial. Mm. And I didn't know how to break out. Yeah. And doing another course would not have broken me out of that. The boot camp that we did would not have broken me out of yeah. tutorial hell because yeah. that was essentially just like tutorials. Like yeah. everything in education is tutorials. Mm. You have to learn how to execute something on your own mm. in a way. And I don't know if a course is actually the right way to bring you from junior like someone who has some experience but needs to move up their technology experience yep. i think what you actually need is some sort of mentorship someone to oh, tell yeah. you all right this is sort of the direction that you need to go to advance yeah i don't think you could necessarily have a course that drove someone from junior into mid so it's like a, you need a coach yeah you need you need a coach or you need experience those are the only options so where's the coaches the coach? Uh, well, that's the, I can't remember what it was called, but um, you, they, you would work on a project of your own, like build a, uh, like a website and then they would re do some code review for you, that sort of thing yeah. every, every week. Like that's the actual thing that I think would accelerate growth more than anything. I suppose the challenge is you've only got so many hours within the week. So yep. your coach has to be, if you're working in, if you're a mid-level developer, you're probably working in tech you need to align yourself with someone who's going to coach you the right way. Yeah. It's pretty much the only way to do it. Which is luck, really. Luck. Like, where are you going to work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, neither of us have worked at AWS, so I don't know if they have uh, formal mentorship pro programs for people who are junior and mids, but uh, yeah. But the thing is, uh, you know, finding the right mentor who actually wants to lift you up to that level. You need to yeah. be challenged. You can't have a mentor who's just going to be like, oh, yeah, do that stuff. And I've also, I mean, it's different for every person because I also have known people who they're, they're stuck at a lower level because they don't have self-confidence oh, yeah. is another issue. Yep. You can be very highly skilled, but being skilled in technology can also mean that maybe you've put off some social intelligence, mm. let's say, mm. uh, and you need 
to be able to have confidence in yourself and your work and be able to say, I deserve this. I produce this work. Yeah. That's something I've also experienced with people. So coach can help with that too. For sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So the coaching doesn't even have to be like, uh, you should have uh, added another two spaces in your. No, that's, that's, that's trash. Either here nor there. Yeah. But uh, it's more, where should I go in my career? Maybe uh, how should I have done this differently overall at a whole level? Not at like the, the small code level. Yeah. Pull, re- pull request level. Yeah. You need a semicolon. Yeah. That's, that's what ESLint's for. <laughs> Matt Forcing Roberts, me to use ESLint's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. The linting episode. The human linter. If I could only remember what that episode title was. But uh, you've had good mentors, but you've, you've driven your own personal development as well. You, I'm talking in your Well, it's experience. very interesting. I've had a very, uh, we don't want to do X-Men Origins. No. But uh, if I'm talking about myself, like I've actually been trying to get into software since I was probably 12 years old. <laughs> it only took you 10 years. I know. But it was, uh, it was, I probably had the technical skills by the time I was 18, but I had no self-confidence. Yeah. I was just that kind of person. So I didn't learn that until I was around other people who were in technology as well. Also, CSS was a nightmare back then. So I always thought I was terrible because of <laughs> CSS. Can't figure out how to float a fucking right a box to the right of the page. How is anyone going to hire me? I remember not long ago and you're, you were telling me, you're like, yeah, float that one, right? I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you're took a break. I took float. a break from like web development because I wanted to be a front-end developer probably. How old am I? Like 24, nine years ago or so, I was like on the path to be, to being a front end developer. Yeah. And then I took a break because I re- like, I was like, it's too hard for me. <laughs> so like I lost all of the in-between stuff <laughs> where everyone started using Webpack and everything. And then I came back into it <laughs> and everything changed so dramatically. Everything's so easy now. The technology doesn't matter almost at all. You don't need to know about binary trees to, to work effectively no. in that technology anymore. Yep. This might tie back into like Dan Abramov talking about clean code, something that's so old. But um, before we go back to that and talking about self-development, you were reading this, that book on... Uh, Teams Apologies. Teams Apology. Yeah. What's that about? Well, uh, Does that y- tie into this? I don't know if it ties into seniority. I think it ties into... Uh, it ties into personal development. It does, yes. One of the things that I feel like... I don't know if it's now, like maybe this is my personality now after having worked in the industry for a bit. Uh, but now the thing that matters the most to me is ownership when I'm working in a team. Yeah. I want something that I design, build, and manage myself. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to other people to say, all right, can you manage all of the alerts for my shitty service? Oh, yeah. Can you do the incident reporting for my shitty service? Yeah. Uh, can you deploy my shitty service? And also, <laughs> can you figure out what my next feature should be? Yeah. Like, so I've been very interested in finding out more about cross-functional teams, that sort of things. The way that uh, company, not even like massive companies. So the 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 book itself, cross uh, team topologies, uh, talks a lot about like the Spotify like squad tribe model. But um, essentially, they talk about uh, how the way that your uh, software architecture will be, even your infrastructure, it will be based almost directly around how your teams are organized. Oh, yeah. So if you have a front-end team and a back-end team, yep. 
even if you say, all right, we want microservices, you will have a distributed monolith, mm. which is something I have seen several times, yep. <laughs> unfortunately. Yep. Uh, if, you, if you organize people in sort of stream-based orientations where you have a, a, a stream like, let's say, if you're doing uh, medium.com, you have the posts team and the recommendations team, mm then you will end up with an architecture that mimics that. It yep. will be almost impossible for you to end up with a back-end monolith mm. if you organize your teams in that manner mm. uh, because of Conway's law, which is that uh, the architecture will always resemble, the, the software architecture oh. will always resemble the way that people communicate. Okay. It's so, funny, I've read, I've heard of a lot of these topics yeah. in articles and yeah. I never knew that it tied back to this book it's called actually really, Topology. I, I don't know if it's a new book, yeah. but... Um, it's uh, it's very interesting, yep. uh, and I can actually see it happening myself. So I've been in companies where they've tried to go from monolithic team, where like full stack developers into microservices, but they failed because they didn't reorganize the teams effectively or give teams enough autonomy after the split. Yep. That sort of thing. So because they were still communicating in terms of like, I am a front-end developer and I am a back-end developer, we ended up uh, with a monolith front-end and a monolith back-end yep. even after the restructure. Mm. So so then the case would be uh, you need to create new teams that have some front-end and some back-end That's right. So cross-functional teams, yeah. which is something that I, I hear a lot people yep. talking about, but I rarely see actually executed. Yep. So that's the idea that a single team, and there's a lot of different types of team topologies that they talk about in this book, mm. but this is the one that I'm more interested in because this is, uh, I, I have had the most satisfaction in my life working in a team like this mm. where the team is self-sufficient, mm. where you have a designer, you have your product manager, you have your uh, infrastructure guy, you've got your DevOps guy, front end and uh, dev or uh, back end, mm. let's say. Lots of those people would all be wearing different hats as well. Yep. Front and back end guy probably are working on the same thing. They might just be more specialized on one or the other. Yeah. Uh, and so they would organize themselves into one team that's able to deliver on a single stream of value, like recommendations, yep. for example. Yep. And so they would be focused on a smaller piece uh, and that would actually cause the infrastructure of the system to change mm. because now you're communicating in these smaller blobs. If you, if you allow the communication to stay in these massive tiers, you end up with horizontal slice architectures, yeah. essentially. If you keep like the, the it, it's something that a lot of companies seem to struggle with coming out of like, we're a small company moving into a big company. Mm. How do you move from, we've got the front end guy and the back end guy to now we've got 50 engineers and yeah. we need to, you know, split people up. Yep. But we can't just have like, a 30-person back-end team because everyone's stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. I, I think the, the the Spotify model, from what I remember, also has a concept Squads of... Squads and tribes, yeah. Tribes, yeah. yeah. So the tribe is then cross-sectional to what you described as streams. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. so yeah. So you, you along all your streams, uh, your front-end developers would also have a tribe. So all the front-end developers would get together and say, like, how, as an organization, how do we build our front-end? Yeah, I believe it's called a guild in the... Uh, guild. In the, yeah. yeah. So a guild would be more like all the... Div but it's less about how you manage tickets because the issue is, like, imagine you're organizing it in terms of JIRA boards even. Yeah. Like, if you have the, the 
the DevOps board mm. and the people are pulling tickets from the DevOps board, they're still going to end up like co- coalescing into that one DevOps group oh, instead yeah. of like staying with their team, yeah. working just with each other. Mm. So. But what about if you need, in the, so say the case of front end again, you need like a design system built out for the whole organization. How do you... How Those are called, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, either they're like subsystem teams or they're, so there is a, a role for like SRE uh, people yeah. to, to work inside of this sort of system. So they sit outside of those and they're in their own team, but uh, it might be a platform team, that sort of thing. Someone who builds the underlying system that everyone works on, oh, shares, right. so that the individual people don't have to work on. Yep. But uh, honestly, I'm even more interested in uh, not needing those types of people at all. Like if an individual team is able to have full autonomy, I think that is maximum speed. But you need... Um, you need ownership. Yeah, but you need some kind of uh, guidelines across the whole business. Like what font are we using? What colors do we use? Stuff like that. Well, that's... Yeah, that's styling. I mean, that's, a, yeah, that's summed like up in as much as... Even breaking down to like what front-end framework do we use? What Like how do we build components? Like I don't know if that matters as much as... You might think. Yeah. It depends on the application. Obviously, this is highly dependent on what you're building. Mm. Uh, for our application, yeah, there'd probably be a, a component system in place yeah. uh, that you'd have to contribute to. Yeah. Uh, but that one person would be responsible for contrib- contributing to it. But then what happens if like... Uh, but I, even then, I question it because like the... Uh, if that person still has to go back to those group of front-end people and like confer and get code review from them, mm. then what you end up with is you still have the same bottleneck where you are a large uh, glob of people all trying to work on this one part of the app instead of like, I'm a feature team. Ideally, you, uh, I, I think Spotify is actually built, uh, and uh, I could, it's been a while since I read this, but um, it was an article about how Spotify managed their front end where they actually split the front end into different di- little iframes with oh, different yeah. packages and everything. So yep. the teams were able to work in absolute autonomy. Yeah. So they were focused more on communication and management of people than on the application itself. So, mm. But you want uh, some efficiencies as well. Like if you're using the same button through the whole organization, you don't want it rebuilt in five different ways in five different teams. Surely. Yeah, maybe. Like there's some efficiency savings to be had. I just well, don't know so how, what's to the cost, though? how to coordinate that. Well, what's the cost, right? That, yeah. That's what I would think about. Like if we are sharing all of this stuff between each other, maybe there is a design system where you can share a JSON file with all of the basic sizings and everything, right? That seems reasonable. But uh, if one team wants to go off and use GCP and, uh, you know, uh, Angular and whatever, if that's their choice, like both for that that team's sake, like that's what they are interested in working in, and also for uh, the sake of them performing at their best. Mm. Like the thing that they come up with is probably going to be, if they're responsible people and you've hired well, yep. that's probably going to be the best decision because they're going to perform at peak velocity. And also they, they probably aren't likely to want to bail on the thing that they implemented, like that is their baby. So Would you be happy with one stream working on GCP and Angular and then another stream working on AWS and React? 100%. Oh, really? Yeah. So I've seen the opposite. See, to where me, that sounds crazy. No, not to me. Uh, there is principles that have to be agreed upon between the teams. Yep. 
Like, I don't think it would really happen because you'd have to have different billing accounts and everything. So, like, at a point of practicality, mm. most people wouldn't. It happens in larger organizations. One of the reasons why cloud adoption went up in larger organizations is because it's easier to go through the cloud than it is to, like, ask your own personal infrastructure <laughs> team to yeah. spin you up an instance. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why that was ad ad adopted. But at the size of organizations that both of us work at, which is, like, uh, medium, like medium-small startups... Mm that seems like that would actually be fine. Mm. Like being able to do multi-cloud. Also, like when you think about tech debt and those sort of issues, when you don't scatter them across the entire 200 engineer strong team, you save yourself from needing to have massive organizational shifts constantly to be able to deal with those sort of things. Mm. Uh, yeah. Overall, I think it probably would have helped a lot of companies that I've that I've worked at. Yeah. No, I like the idea. Yeah. You just got to have that level of practical, like you said, level well, it's of practicality about, um, across the whole thing. Which like company is it? I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry, I'm coming down off of uh, all this alcohol we had tonight. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> night. but uh, You want to do another episode after I do, episode. I have to do another. But uh, there's a company where there's a senior engineer policy. I can't, okay. is, that from, uh, is that from Shopify or is it... Oh, it's Netflix. Netflix has a senior engineer only model. So if you if you aren't willing to take responsibility for something, you like you don't you don't necessarily belong there. Like if you're not willing to take ownership of something, you don't belong there. Okay. That's that's the ideal for me. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, this is my dream job. Feel free to reach out. You've got your dream job now. You own it. You you own it, you build it and you run it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get a bit too big for me eventually though. Yeah. Like we'll have to, you know, bring on the, the big boys. Yep. Some Java devs. Can't What's gonna wait. happen then? And how are we gonna stratify? Uh, that's a that's a next month problem. <laughs> yeah. Worry about that next month. Yeah. Well, uh that was a good do you think uh well okay. Uh is that it? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. No, we covered everything. How was that rant? Oh, I'll finish the Team Topologies book and we'll we'll talk more about it. That'll be good. I should really finish books before I start ranting about them. You read the first, you read the contents and the preface. Table and of contents <laughs> and then I hang up. You read like a few, you go to flip to a few chapters that you find interesting. You're like, so, okay, Team Topology. Right? No, I'm actually, I'm actually half, more than halfway through it, but yeah. Well, when you finish it, maybe we come back and we do another one. Yeah, we'll do another team specific. On what days? On Wednesday. On I a think. Wednesday. Yeah. Maybe. We always do it on Wednesday. Sometimes I'm lazy. Except sometimes we don't. I sleep in a lot now. I work seven days a week. Get up at nine and wake up at 9.30. Yeah. <laughs> Stand up nine, <laughs> wake up 10. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed the podcast. Jump on the Discord too, whoever's yeah. out there listening. Rate us on iTunes. Just one rating, please. It's all I've ever wanted from you. Even a low one's fine. No, Preferably five. Higher, five you. stars. Thank yeah. you. Okay, bye.